This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Jacob McSweeney. On this week's edition, New Zealand picks up silver medals at the Olympics in athletics and sailing, while Peter Snell talks about the disappointment for Nick Willis missing out in the 1500 metres final. Elsewhere, All Blacks coach Steve Hansen talks about his squad to contest the rugby championship, and James Franklin gets a recall to the New Zealand cricket test side to tour India. Valerie Adams won the shot put in Beijing four years ago, but was outthrown in London by Belarusian Nadzia Ostapchuk and had to settle for silver. The former Commonwealth Games discus gold medalist Les Mills told Jeff Robinson that Valerie Adams' silver medal performance was a great effort, but she now faces the challenge of making some big improvements. She gave it everything she had, and uh, for some reason, which sometimes is not able to be explained in an athlete, she perhaps just lacked that little spark of fire that makes a difference between winning and losing. And Ostapchuk found it, and, and Ostapchuk performed uh, marvellously well. It was great performance by her. Valerie performed well and threw a long way, but um, that's how competition goes. You win some, you lose some. Indeed, and she would have had to do better than her personal best to get in front of, of Ostapchuk, because I think 21-24 is Valerie's... Personal best this season? Yes, that's her personal best of all time. Uh, and she would have had to have beaten that, and that was a big ask. We knew Ostapchuk had been trying very well, but in the past two or three years, Valerie's got on top of her in the competition. And I just uh, can't help but think that uh, had Val pulled out something really good in the first round, Ostapchuk might have come under pressure and mightn't have been as good as she was. However, that didn't happen, and she was very good. It leads everyone to wonder whether this business of not being registered and, and all the, the presumably fuss that must have been around that may in some way have put Valerie off. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how serious an issue that was, or was it something they just fixed up very easily? Did it leave a hanging for a day and worrying about it? Uh, and did that knock the edge off her explosive finish to a throw? I don't know. I would have thought she'd have put that behind her, and it was just a competition where she didn't quite fire. But make no mistake, she did well, and, and did get a silver, and did throw further than she threw in Beijing. And, of course, we've got to remember that those two are just sort of way ahead of the rest of the competition, aren't they? They're yeah. almost in a class by themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely way ahead of uh, everybody else in the world. Look, that'll go on. She'll get over the disappointment uh, and the sadness of not winning a gold and start to uh, train again. She's got a silver to go with the gold she got in Beijing and uh, she's got world champs coming up in a couple of years. She's got a World Cup, a Diamond League. She's got lots 
to look forward to in athletics and I hope a, a long career ahead of us. But she's still got to chase that 21.36 metres that Ostap took through today and that was just quite something. She does. She and the coach have got to look uh, inside her and say, well, hang on, um, it's not just even 21.36, it's, it's how do we get to 21.70, you know? How do we make sure that you are the best? And uh, that's a challenge, and it's a good challenge. Les Mills talking to Jeff Robinson. The New Zealand women's hockey team have been one of the highlights of these games. After beating fierce rivals Australia in the opening game, they never looked back, going on to thrash South Africa, beat USA and qualify for the semi-finals with a gritty nil draw with Germany. They were beaten on penalties in the semi-final against world number ones the Netherlands and the Black Sticks assistant coach Greg Nickel told Simon Mersep it was a tough pill to swallow. Heartbreaking, you know. The semi-finals to come down to, to shootouts and to go out like that is pretty gutting. You must have thought they really, really had a fantastic chance to go through and play for gold. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we the way we played in the game was, was great. We took the game to them and, um, you know, really gave ourselves a shot. And people at home should remember that this was uh, the number one ranked team. Yeah, absolutely. They're a good side and we knew we had to come out and play Pretty well to have a go at it, but, um, you know, we failed at the last hurdle. How are the players feeling at the moment after such a, such a game? Yeah, I haven't had too much time to, to speak with too many of them, but um, I'm sure they got it as I am in the coaching staff. But they should also be very proud of what they've done as well. Absolutely. I suppose after such a huge uh, physical and, and mental uh, effort in, in a game like this, Greg, uh, how much of a challenge is it for you and the rest of the coaching staff to to get them all ready and in a good shape for the, a bronze medal game now? Yeah, I guess that is the challenge. Um, I think, you know, we'll obviously talk about studies and run through some clips and, and assess what went well and what didn't. And, but the, the key thing is we, we've still got a medal chance and you're absolutely right. We've got to get up in two days' time and, and deliver a similar performance because, you know, finishing fourth at the Olympics is probably the worst spot you can finish. Um and then we've got a bloody good opportunity to do something no New Zealand woman size done before. So we've got to get our processes back from tomorrow. We'll be back on the training paddock going through things. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep the same processes we've had for the whole tournament. And hopefully that will, will get the girls back on track. Sure. You must be able, I guess, to, to say to the team that there are some real positives to take away from, from a match like this, taking on the number one ranked team, the Netherlands, and getting so close. Huge positives. I think it's one of the best games we've played in terms of what we did on the pitch. And um, obviously the result's going to hurt. But the way we actually played hockey was, was extremely pleasing. And, and if we play, you know, like that in the, in the bronze playoff, we'll be there at the end again, you know. And that's the critical thing is to back this performance up with another one. The Black Sticks will take on Great Britain for the chance to win only New Zealand's second Olympic medal in hockey to follow the men's gold medal triumph in Montreal in 1976. The New Zealand sailors Peter Burling and Blair Took won a silver medal in the sailing 49er category in Weymouth this week to lift New Zealand's all-time medal tally to 100 and the London Hall to 10, the Olympic Committee's pre-games goal. Blair Took told Morning Report winning silver in the 49er sailing class was an unusual experience. It's uh, pretty cool. I'm really proud to have uh, won the silver and uh, you know being the 100th medal uh, for New Zealand, just you know, a nice little icing on the cake, pretty, pretty awesome. I guess it was a 
an interesting way for the, this last race to, to run. You knew you had the silver, but still, uh, was it? What was it like to finally get your hands on it? Yeah, it was good. Like he said, we sort of knew a couple of days ago that we were going to win the silver with the way sailing works. A really long competition, and um, you know we'd done enough uh, through the week that we couldn't catch the, gold, the guys in gold, and we're a long way clear of people uh, in third and fourth. So. Um, it's been a little bit weird the last couple of days, sort of knowing we won but couldn't really celebrate it properly. Um, but this afternoon when we sort of stood up on the podium was um, yeah, a really special moment and, uh, yeah, pretty proud. I guess you're going to be hanging around, are you, to see how the uh, the women's 470 crew, Joe, Alley and Olivia, um, they get on in their, their final match, yeah, sailing yeah, match? definitely. Um, you know, they're part of the team and uh, they're doing great. And so too are Paul and Jason and the 470 men. They've got a chance at bonds tomorrow uh, when they race. So... Yeah, we got to hang around and support them, and uh, you know, be there for them, and just yeah, we're going to enjoy it. You know, now now our ones over will enjoy it, and uh, yeah, hopefully see some more success out of uh, Weymouth. Yeah, this is I think it's the first medal sailing medal apart from windsurfing for something like twenty years. Is this the beginning of a the comeback for New Zealand sailors at the Olympics? Yeah, I think so. We got a, a young team here, and and then even in the New Zealand sailing team, uh, the development that we got a lot of uh, other young guys and. Uh, yeah, I think definitely the New Zealand sailing team over the last four years since I've been involved in it's just gone from strength to strength and, uh, you know, it's a great group to be a part of and I think, uh, yeah, um, you know, looking towards Rio, it should be pretty pretty positive for us. Blair Turk talking to Morning Reports, Simon Mercer. There's been disappointment for New Zealand at these games and none more so than Nick Willis, who finished a lowly ninth in his 1500 metre final. Willis started well but fell away in the last 400 metres as gold medal winner Algerian Taufik Makloufi peeled away from the bunch. Former gold medalist in the 800 and 1500 metre events Peter Snell told our reporter Kynman Curtis that sometimes on the day things don't always go to plan. That sort of thing can happen and uh, I feel, I'm feeling bad for, for Nick and, uh, um, and uh, I know what an unpleasant feeling it must be for him uh, after the expectations were so high to not be able to uh, deliver. And when this sort of thing happens, it happens. And uh, that's happened to me before. I was just, uh, I think, uh, lucky to, uh, on the day, be uh, feeling good. And obviously uh, the American guy that got the silver medal must have felt good too. I would never have picked him for for being in the medals. Um, So... You know, I think it became apparent when Nick was unable to cover the moves that were made uh, along the back stretch that that there might be a problem because uh, he really needed to be up close, uh, challenging, and he just just wasn't able to do it. And I think it it sort of also uh, makes one think, well, four years ago that uh, it it really, uh, I think, shows that uh, how how outstanding that was. been able to get his his bronze um, and so he was clearly right on that day and he's actually probably a better runner now which makes it even more uh, difficult uh, for him to uh, to deal with I'm sure. And so these that, that's just something that happens to runners you you just it, on on a certain day if everything yeah, does yeah, it or ducks aren't in a row. That's right I mean it, it happened to um, Murray Halberg in, uh, in Tokyo in uh, 1964 although Murray had had Tokyo flu, but things can go wrong. And uh, Nick had a hard heat. Um, I, I'll have to think back and and see if the guys that did well actually were the ones who were in the easy heat. But I, 
I don't know. The, 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 I think maybe the winner is, was the one that, uh, that made the pace fast in, in next heat. Um, yeah, it, it, these things happen, and it's just a bit like Valerie Adams, I suppose, too. I mean, uh, just on the day, you've got to be able to have everything going for you. And it, yes, uh, and she said she but, found it hard. She reached down deep but couldn't get that aggression, and, and Nick Willis said that he just had no power in his legs. It's as if they both were missing a spark that they needed to just get up to that next level that everyone talks about yeah, at the Olympics. Yeah. And uh, and I don't think it's mentally. They're both uh, highly experienced performers, and um, um, there are just uh, there are just some days where you feel as though uh, everything is effortless. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful feeling, but uh, it's hard to necessarily uh, get it to happen that way when you want it to. It's an extraordinary um, nature of being an elite athlete, isn't it? Yes, yes, and uh, hopefully, if you if you do the right training and taper properly, then you're supposed to be uh, fresh and ready on the day. And uh, at least uh, that was the approach that I had, and that seemed to work pretty well. Peter's now talking to Kaiman Curtis, and you're listening to Extra Time. I'm Jacob McSweeney. The All Blacks Rugby Championship squad have assembled for the first time as they begin their preparations for the inaugural tournament. Coach Steve Hansen named the 28-strong squad last Sunday and they begin their preparations late this week. While Hansen's selections were largely expected, he raised a few eyebrows by picking just three locks, meaning the men in black could find themselves in hot water should one of their second rowers pick up an injury while in Argentina or South Africa. Joe Porter caught up with Hanson to discuss the locking situation and pick his brains about how he plans to prepare his side in the short space of time before his first test against Australia next weekend. If we lost a lock, uh, say on a Friday or uh, in a warm-up, then you know we're confident that we can we can use people within the squad to do that. Um, if we lost one long term, then we'd just get a replacement lock. And the Jose Zach decision, obviously that wasn't an easy one to make. But Jose perhaps delivered a little more in the uh, Irish series. Yeah, well, Jose's probably got a little bit more to his game than Zach. And I've spoken to Zach about the things we need him to work on. And you know, he's got a tremendous work rate, and he, he certainly can finish a try off of given space. But we we, we just need him to to you know, get a little bit better and catching uh, his own team's uh, kicks, so you know, box kicks from nine and get up and get those and, and I'd like to see him a little bit more evasive one on one, so he's got a clear message on what he's got to work on and it's up to him to go away and do that um, you know, he's still pretty handy football Dan Carter's the best in the world Aaron Cruden's really putting his hand up lately he's been playing some pretty impressive footy Yeah he has and that's great, great for Dan and, and great for Azza and great for the team we've now you know, clearly got two five eight uh, that we can show a lot of confidence in, and uh, you know, a bit of competition is always good for the human being. We've we've used a lot of five eights over the years, but it looks like Aaron's now putting his hand up, saying, "You know, I'm ready." And sometimes you just have to wait for that, and uh, we've had to wait a wee while. So, you know, I'm I'm pleased for him and and uh, pleased for the team, but you know, uh, I wouldn't write Dan Carter off either. And Liam Messon's playing some damn good rugby and obviously has addressed some of the issues that the All Blacks had had with him in, in the past. Yeah, well, the big issue we had with Liam was he wasn't consistent, and uh, nor was he as physical as we'd like him. And 
he certainly fixed both those things. So, you know, he's a naturally a good rugby player, but uh, you, you want your your performers to be consistent, and 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 you certainly want you know in his position physicality, and he he brought that in the series decider and. Well, sorry, not the decider, but the last test match against Ireland, and, and he's bought it all um, Super 15. Buenos Aires and going to play Argentina over in their home country, it adds a, a new element, I guess, to the rugby championship. Does it change the way you approach it, as perhaps you would the Tri-Nations? Oh, well, clearly we have to change the way we approach it, because it's a, it's a new uh, opponent, and, and it's new as far as the travel goes. So you know, it's a 15-hour uh, flight. Um, Air New Zealand are putting on a, a direct flight, which is great. Um, but there's a 15-hour time difference too, so you know, it's, a, it's a pretty major one. And uh, you know, we play South Africa the following week in South Africa, so that that block of two games is going to be very challenging. What do you know about the Argentinians and, and playing over there? Well, we know that they they build their game around up front and very physical, very strong. Uh, they love their scrum, but I think people underestimate how good they are or can be in the backs and. Uh, I'm sure with Graham being over there, he's encouraging them to use those backs. So it'll be interesting to watch and see how they develop. And and uh, you know, over uh, time, I think they'll develop into a very good rugby uh, side, playing against you know three of the best teams in the world on a regular basis. And having the first two games against Australia, the Blues are Cup, sort of a series within a series at the start. It's quite exciting, kind of unique. Yeah, well, I think our draw is pretty good. You know, we get uh, two games, two games, two games. So. And then we get a, a break in between, so we couldn't have asked for a better draw, and and to not have to travel too far uh, at the beginning, uh, I think is good as well. So, and any contest against Australia, no matter what it's in, is always exciting. What was the main thing you learnt from the Irish series as a coach? Oh well, something that I've known for a long time, but it just reinforced it. Your preparation's everything. If you if you can prepare genuinely, and and uh, you know you. Sometimes your subconsciousness um, starts playing tricks with you because first test we won well and, and you know, there was a bit of a threat there, wasn't it? It was new, new people and it was exciting then. We won that game and then it's like, well, we know we can beat these guys. So even though you think you're preparing well, you don't. And uh, we got a bit of a fright and, and come out and, and prepared properly. And you know, we've got genuine talent in the group. So if our preparation from Sunday to Friday's right, then the Saturday performance will, will reflect that. Steve Hansen speaking to Joe Porter. New Zealand cricketer James Franklin has had a roller coaster career, starting out as a young quick, moving on to an all-rounder, and now he's seen as one of the country's top exponents of 2020 cricket. But he's been out of the New Zealand frame for a year and a half and spoke with Radio New Zealand's Stephen Hewson about what it will be like to brush off the cobwebs. Very excited to be back involved in the, in the New Zealand Test squad and Thoroughly looking forward to this um, next tour of India. Um, I was going to be jumping on a plane today to Sri Lanka to play in some T20 cricket over there. So, happily not going there now, and, and really looking forward to to hopefully um, another crack at Test cricket. Were you surprised to, to get the call up, or had you been given the way things went in the West Indies, um, thought you might be in with a chance? I was surprised, but I guess. Um, you know, obviously, having not played any long format since the end of last season, um, you know, it was a, it was a surprise. So, you know, I'm I'm obviously thankful for another opportunity. Um, I've still been playing cricket overseas for the last few months in England, albeit um, 2020 cricket. So, um, you know, hopefully that counted a little bit towards me having another cricket because I have been playing. Um, a lot of the guys back here in New Zealand have obviously not been playing a lot because it's winter. 
Um, so ha- hopefully that was a reason, and obviously, hopefully it's because um, this week they think I'm good enough to, to warrant another go at it. How frustrating is it being in and out? Have you? Is it something you've come to accept? It must be hard. Oh, I, of course, but I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm if I'm scoring hundreds and, and taking wickets, then I'm going to be in more than more than out. So um, you know, I've I haven't done that. I haven't been able to consistently put up big scores um, or, or take big bags of wickets. So um, hopefully, I can do that this um, this next tour of India. Does it become a little bit easier, I suppose, coming in and out when there is so much other cricket you can play? Like you mentioned, you're about to head off to Sri Lanka. You've got the IPL and various other 2020 tournaments. Does that make things a little easier? No, not necessarily, because uh, at the end of the day, right now, I still want to play uh, for New Zealand and I still want to play test cricket for New Zealand. So that that could well change in, in times to come. But as of today, that's what I want to do. So... Um, you know, I'm really thankful that I've got another opportunity and um, hopefully I'll, I'll make a good fist of it. And you're in there to bolster the batting primarily? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I see my, my role being sort of batting that lower middle order and, and helping out with some overs um, through the day's play if we're fielding. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty much what Mike Heston has put down my role as being and um, really looking forward to hopefully getting on that test 11 for that first test. And you seem to enjoy India. Your, your form there has been reasonably good. Having spent quite a bit of time in, in India over the last couple of years with um, other forms of cricket apart from test cricket, uh, I feel as though I've got a, a reasonable um, gauge on the conditions and, and particularly um, the Indian spin bowlers. Um, you know, having played against them a fair bit in 2020, I know it's a different format, but um, hopefully that can still hold, hold me in good stead for these upcoming test matches. How much advice are you going to be able to give the others, given the struggle that they had against the likes of Narayan in the Windies and the fact that the, the Indian spinners are most probably a step up again? Yeah, look, I think there'll be pretty good conversation amongst the group of, of batsmen um, you know, on the way to India and, and over there. Um, a number of the guys in that um, in the New Zealand top order have, have played in India before and, and had good success. Um, so they'll be aware of, of what they're going to be coming up against. Um, you know, the, the individuals they're going to be coming up against. Obviously, I think the conditions over there will be spin-friendly. I guess some of them will want to really try and uh, rectify the few areas that obviously cause concern in the West Indies just now and want to uh, put things right for want of a better term. So knowing the individuals within the side, they'll be very hungry to get to India and, and you know, put out some good scores and, and, you know, obviously make sure that the New Zealand side is within, you know, a good fighting chance in each test match of winning each test. I know that you are obviously played a lot of T20 there, but has your approach to playing spin maybe particularly in India changed over the last couple of years given that you the experience you have had there have you have you found a way to, to cope better with it oh look I've certainly trained a lot for it um, you know when you're over there playing the IPL there's a lot of training and uh, one of my coaches at my side there um, has been very helpful to me in terms of how I play spin bowling Robin Singh he um, he actually played for India for a number of years and He's the, the coach at Mumbai Indians, my IPL team, and um, you know he's been extremely helpful to me 
and how to play against spin bowlers on on turning bounce bouncy tracks. Is there anything in particular he worked on with you? What what has he been able to help oh, you with? Just, uh, just simple things like alignment at the crease uh, for the different types of spin bowlers, whether it's an off spinner or or a left arm orthodox bowler, which you know India will probably take into the test match coming up. Um, you know how to use your feet, just different tactical stuff to try and combat the spin and, and obviously be aggressive against spin. So um, just things I've been working on behind the scenes that, um, like I say, will, will hopefully hold me in good stead. I suppose you feel familiar going into that environment as well now. For, for many of the team, well, that must help somewhat too. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think um, for a number of the guys on the side, India is now becoming a pretty common place to go annually. So, um, you know, in, in years gone by, going to India would be a bit of a culture shock and obviously being very different to home. Um, sometimes, maybe in the past, individuals would feel quite uneasy about being in India. But I think now the modern the modern cricketer is very used to going to the subcontinent, playing in the subcontinent conditions and there are a number of guys that really look forward to going over there. So, um, you know, I'm sure the guys will be pretty pumped to uh, firstly get home from the West Indies, um, have a quick refresh and then get over to India and, and get stuck in again. James Franklin talking with Stephen Hewson. And that's all this week for Extra Time. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Jacob McSweeney. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.